Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, The Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Warning. The following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Primers into this issue 111 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, first things first, apologies uh, in that we did not bring you anything last week, but we will bring you a double edition this week. Uh, we're going to talk about both episodes of Supergirl before we head into the final two for the season. Introductions from the Next Le- uh, from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. Yes. Yeah, so and I and double episode does not mean a four hour episode. No. This will be a length episode. No, yeah. It's it's gonna be we got it to close to an hour the last time when it was just super grown flash. So we're gonna see if we can do the same thing. But I know there's uh you know, it it's been two weeks, so we kind of there might be some filler in there as yeah, well. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of news to talk about, so I don't think we're going to hit that hour mark. I think we can probably spend 20 minutes at least on the news this week. And uh, I will apologize. Um, again, as, as Ben mentioned, you know, obviously we didn't have a show last week. Most of that was probably – it was, was – well, not probably. Most of that was definitely me. <laughs> uh, I was actually away for a work trip in Arizona, as I mentioned, uh, two weeks ago when we recorded. Um, but when I got back, we got – I got back roughly like 2 or 3 in the morning. Uh, Monday morning, and I end up, you know, it was off that day from work because of, you know, travel and all that jazz. But still, when I got back, I had the worst sinus infection ever and could barely talk. So I do apologize. You're going to probably hear me sniffling. You might hear my voice stall out a little bit. I'm on the very absolute tail end of it. But um, as I even put uh, post up on our Facebook page uh, in just the comment section, I wanted just to reiterate the last thing I really wanted to do was do a show where I felt. I had zero energy and give you guys the impression that I'm not interested anymore. I know I made a couple comments in the last couple weeks that my energy has been low. That has nothing to do with these shows. That has nothing to do with working with Ben, DC Primetime, anything like that. So I just want to make sure I was coming into it as energetic and 
it reinvigorated as possible and not like somebody that's about to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, you know, bringing that up and on that topic, it's funny because just the way we've started this podcast, we're only what um you know not even three minutes into it and we already sound like we have more energy from both of us i think the week off was really good i mean you got to remember it's kind of taxing to do this 52 times a year you know every week uh i know we're heading into a lull because all the shows are going on break there's only two more weeks of supergirl and then we have the summer it's a shorter summer because you know supergirl ran a lot later than expected but you know, we, we kind of do need that break every once in a while, especially considering you have Caffeine Crew cast of pods on top of this. I do the showcast Spotlight. I'm now doing the week, the, um, you know, the twice a month Lost podcast. And on top of that, I'm now throwing into the mix of planning an event, you know, planning this convention of our own, which is still a long ways off. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of excitement behind that now, too. So... And I'm going to spare the details. I don't want to reveal any details about that until they're solidified. Um, right. But you and I were ha- had like a 40-minute conversation before we even started recording. And you can attest, there's a lot of cool stuff in the works yeah, for, for I, this and, event. And if, if this goes off without a hitch, even if it's not exactly what you're looking for this year, I, I think the plans for a long future for this are, are, are you have irons on the fire in all the right places. Yeah, so it's, it's and it, I, I can't wait for you to be able to state everything when it happens, because I think this is going to be one of the most unique conventions uh, when all is said and done. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree with that more. So we're definitely coming into this. It's amazing what a week off does and yeah. and how it kind of re-energizes you and refreshes you. So. Yeah, so we're going to have two episodes of Supergirl that we're going to talk about this week, the past two, and then it's appropriate that we're doing it now, again, going into we get the penultimate this week, and then the finale in two. So it's better to have taken the break now rather than do the penultimate and the finale in in an episode. Right, so, and I think one of the things I wanted to kind of, I, you know, I haven't even talked to you about this, but I think this is one of the best moves. So expect probably next week, we're just going to talk about the Supergirl the following week, we'll focus purely on the finale. But next week, I, I have a feeling we'll have another piece to talk about because uh, E3 it just started yesterday uh, on Saturday, so the, uh, the the ninth. And today, the 10th, we've got a couple big press conferences happening. There's Square Enix, Ubisoft, and I think Microsoft are today. Microsoft Xbox is today, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and, um, and if it doesn't happen on Xbox's stage, it'll probably happen on PlayStation stage because Warner Brothers does not have their own press conference. Uh, I would not be surprised if we're talking very heavily about the reveal trailer for uh, the Superman game uh, following the Supergirl discussion next week. So be prepared for that to probably be a part of our show next week. I know Ben and I both usually have our eyes on E3 pretty heavily. So, um, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to see it between one of those two stages. My guess is probably Sony because that's where we've seen a lot of the Warner Brothers released um, videos in the past. Uh, but I, it's very possible we'll see it on Xbox's stage tonight instead. So, um, but you know, I know we've had a couple people speculating on that uh, on our Facebook page as well, and kind of jumping back and forth. But uh, my, if anybody's worried about that, meaning that's an exclusive game, uh, Warner Brothers does not do exclusive games. It'll be on PC, Xbox, and PS4. So be prepared to talk about that in depth next week. And we did already promise, or I already promised, when the game comes out. Damn it, Chad! Episode two will be part of it for him to help review 
the Superman game. So. Yeah, I think one of our listeners even posted on the Facebook page that he was curious if it was going to be an exclusive just for Sony. Right. Yeah, um, definitely not. Warner Brothers does not work in that way. Third-party companies don't really do that anymore. Uh, it's first-party studios, second-party studios are, are the usual team-ups. Um, it costs a lot of money to make games nowadays, especially in the realm of 4K. Um, so limiting yourself to one brand it would be difficult. And when you have PS4 that has doubled the market share of Xbox right now, um, it, you're, you're definitely going to not see it linked to one side because – You've got 45 million users and 80 million users and then PC, so they want to capitalize on that. So don't be afraid. You're not going to be left in the dust. Yeah, and I will say, though, too, on the topic of E3, very quickly, it is a good time for gamers, not just because of the the, the you know the videos and the press conferences of what's coming out, but Sony and Microsoft alone are having massive sales on their market right now um you know in time of e3 like i think uh playstation's got games upwards to like 40 percent off microsoft right now has games 50 to 75 percent off mm-hmm. uh, i've picked up so far in just the past two days i've picked up assassin's creed origins and i got it down from 60 bucks to 25 um uh, god of war is on sale right now too but you haven't played it on no, playstation and it I mean, is it is one of the best games I have ever played. Damn it, um, that's another one I'm going to pick up because the other one I got was um, – oh, no, I'm sorry. I got Assassin's Creed Origins 50% off. I got it marked down from 60 to 30, and I also picked up um, Lord of the Rings Shadow of War, which is the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. I got that for 25 Yeah, and I can definitely say, man, Assassin's Creed Origins was excellent. And if you're an Assassin's Creed fan, uh, I think they're showing off Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, which is like, uh, you know, a obviously Rome-based uh, uh, version, and that's getting, I think, shown off today. So. And I still have to get Star Wars Battlefront 2 because it's marked down from 60 to 20. And they fixed a ton of stuff. And I know. EA talked really heavily about it yesterday, and Clone Wars content's coming, coming to the That's next. one of the reasons why I'm glad I waited, because they fixed a lot of those microtransaction things that they were doing. We're turning this into a gaming podcast. Um, oh, dude, I wanted to do a, a, a pure gaming show for a longest time, so... <laughs> If we ever get bored, man, we, we can just dive into it. But oh, they, I got yeah. a brilliant idea for the summer already. I'm jotting it down. Hold on. <laughs> but they fixed, yeah, they fixed a lot of the microtransaction issues that people were having with it, and the price is like, you know, 33, like 66% off. So I, now is the perfect time to get Battlefront 2. So um, I've picked up three games with God of War potentially being a fourth now, once I find out what the price of it is going to be. And, uh, dude, I'm set now, gaming wise, until. Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out. And Spider-Man. Oh, oh I forgot about Spider-Man. God damn it. That and Smash Brothers this year, and they just announced this morning as of recording that Kingdom Hearts 3, yep. a game oh, that man. I've been waiting for from 2006. You and me both. It, it's coming out in the very end of January of 2019. So, oh, and I'm happy they're not releasing it at Christmas time because the sheer amount of stuff coming out this year is insane. Man, so. I am so glad that I have this extra time on my hands. Yeah. To, to play games. And I say that sarcastically because even though I'm not working the traditional nine to five anymore right now, um, between planning this convention and mon- and you know managing a podcast network, I still don't have a lot of time for gaming. Yeah. I have more time than I did because I've spent a shit ton of time in State of Decay too, but um, I still don't have as much time as I would like for gaming. I, 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 I barely get any time in, but God of War is one of those games that I found time. I stayed up late, like, you know, 
me and my wife usually crash out at the same time, and I'm like, all right, I can't sleep. Back in the main room, playing God of War, and just, man, that game was brilliant and beautiful. And if you're if you're a gamer and you have a PlayStation, do yourself a favor. If you have not played that game, pick it up. It is an amazing experience, um, and just I, I can't wait to go back into it to continue the side quest post the main story. Uh, I've been thinking about that game nonstop. It I've- is. It's I, been a long time since I've had a game like that. I've always been a bigger Microsoft Xbox guy over PlayStation. Um, and, and not even, I don't want, I'm not saying that to start a conversation about the console wars. Everybody has oh, their definitely own. Not. Everybody has I their have, own preference. I, I own three. I love all three of yeah, them. Yeah, I own Xbox, so I own Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. I own them all. So, you know, it, it's not a battle for me. I There are things I prefer on one. There are things I prefer on the other. But God of War and Uncharted were the main reasons I even bought a PlayStation. So, um... Have you played... Uh, this random side side tangent before we get into this. I have not have, played the latest Uncharted. Well, no. Oh, God. That's amazing, too. Well, I, I, play, I mean, I played Uncharted 4, but I didn't play... The Lost Legacies. The Lost Legacies, yeah. That was even better than the the than Uncharted Four. But I would say, in all honesty, if you haven't played it, yet, The Last of Us. Oh God, I'd love The Last of Us, and I okay, can't cool. wait for the sequel. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. wait for the sequel next year, man. And and somebody, man, but again, like we're going completely off topic, and we'll get back on topic, I promise. But somebody thought they were they were they were messing with me, and they told me, unless are there multiple endings for Last of Us? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Somebody told me they're like, yeah, you're going to be really bummed because the main character dies. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks for ruining that for me. And then I got to the end. I'm like, he didn't die. Like, <laughs> what the hell are they talking about? So they probably were screwing with me at the time. But, you know, still, I, I still love that game. That game is phenomenal. So, um, yeah, that, I got a lot of stuff that I, I, I have a backlog of games that I still have to play. Um, you know, I got the latest Call of War for uh, Call of Duty for Christmas. Still haven't played it. Yeah, um, I, I, I've been I've been going since I've had an Xbox One from around the, right around the surgery. I, I've been playing. They've released so much backward compatible games. Yeah, then they they dumped like nine like old Star Wars games, and I bought almost every one of them. So I've been going back through those. But then all of a sudden they released Burnout Revenge, which is a game I spent way too much time playing. Well, so I've is, been playing that like crazy again, too. Not only that, but I just went into my library not too long ago. Because anytime a game becomes backwards compatible, if you owned it for... If you if you owned it digitally, like you got it through the market on 360, if it becomes backwards compatible and it's added to that list, it's automatically added to your Xbox queue. You can All you have to do is just download it to your Xbox and you can play it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a number of games that I purchased digitally on 360. But yeah, you mentioned the Star Wars games. Um, Star Wars Unleashed and Unleashed 2 are now part of backwards compatibility because they happened to pop up in my library. Uh, Mafia 2 popped up in my library. But the the two games that popped up in my library that I'm, I was actually kind of excited, uh, dude, Magic the Gathering popped <laughs> up in my library because that's now backwards compatible. So dude, it's a good time for gaming. It really uh, is. Yeah, it's, it, I, it, it's, it's a wonderful pastime, and it is the best way to chill and relax and in you know, outside of TV, so and I haven't I haven't heard a lot about it, but anybody who's still into the whole big console wars thing, like oh Xbox is better than PlayStation or PlayStation's better than Xbox, look, they're pretty equal ground right now, as far as like technology goes. Give it up. 
just stick with your own damn console that you enjoy better and stop trying to force it on everybody. It's like the and, whole Apple and Android thing. Like, look, I'm not an Apple fan. I like my Android, but I'm not going to tell you, like, you should, like, the, I'm not going to list you the 50 reasons why you should be an Android person over Apple because you're not going to listen. It's the same thing with console wars. I, mm-hmm. I could list till I'm dead, I'm red in the face why you should be own an Xbox over PlayStation, but you're not going to listen. So just like shut up I, with the console wars already. And with well, with gaming too. I think if you have the ability to afford everything, it's if you if you can look at a lens and look at all the things as equals. Man, it's such a better space to be in. So. Yeah, like I love the fact that if you know if I'm sitting at home and I want to play something on Xbox, I can just pick up my Xbox controller. If I want to play God of War or something, I pick up my PlayStation controller. Or if I want to take something on the road, I pick up my Switch. Like uh-huh. I love it. Like it's true gamers don't care; they'll own them all. Yeah, pretty much. And, you and man, I are those people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but all right. Yeah. Let's get back. Let's put this train back on the tracks. Let's let's talk about two episodes of Supergirl. This is what happens when we come back re-energized. Yeah. And we well, also you and me haven't gotten our chance to really talk in two weeks. So no. our brains are just like, yes, it's E3 time. So <laughs> my brain is completely elsewhere. I've been to E3, man, and it's a blast. But I, the last time I was at E3 was before they opened it to the public. Like you needed to work in the industry to be uh, to be an attendee to E3 because at the time I was working for Microsoft, so I was a consultant for um, I was an independent person with uh, Microsoft Xbox. I was traveling, uh, selling Xboxes in like stores and stuff like that. So it was at the time of Connect. So I got the invite to go to E3 and I had a blast because it wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of people. Now that it's open to the public, it's become like another San Diego Comic Con. Um, you very, you don't get a lot of time to test the games. You sit in an, uh, you know massive audiences to see these press conferences, which is cool. But when it, before it was open to the industry, or when it was just industry, and before it was open to the public, dude, you could try like you had time to actually sit and try all these games. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still fun to like watch and follow along at home. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's cool because especially that they open it up because like, it's only been open to the public for two years now. Uh, this is the second year this year that it's been fully open. Yeah, I know it's so, been like two or three years. So yeah, yeah, this is year two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I went like five years ago. Yeah, probably about five, five years, six years ago, maybe at this point. So, but yeah, it was still fun. It was a great experience. I'm glad I did it. And uh, Supergirl on with the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so two episodes to talk about. And we will do our one of three point rating of each one sidekick hero or legend. And then we'll jump back and we'll break them down. Uh, starting first with Supergirl season three, episode 20 sidekick hero or legend. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon is getting a legend for me. I uh, love legend, but I think still uh, very worthy of a legend. It was, uh, again, seeing Argo City was awesome. And it, it just brought me back, and I, I really thoroughly enjoyed what they were doing there and added some fun wrinkles into everything. So really, really enjoyed that one. Yeah, uh, same thing with me as well. I'm giving this one a legend. Um, it, it was a lot of fun seeing Argo, as you had mentioned. Uh, and the storyline definitely progressed as well. So I'm, I was, I had, I enjoyed these, and I watched these both. I watched both of these episodes back to back, as well. Uh, which leads me to my issues, <laughs> season three, episode twenty-one, sidekick hero or legend. Man, uh, this is floating on the edge of sidekick into hero. Um, but I think I'm still going to let this slide into a low tier hero. Uh, I would say this is probably a four or five in, in, in a score for me. So. Yeah, uh, and mid-level hero for me, probably about a five or a six. 
we had just mentioned in the last episode, in episode 110, that hopefully from this point on there were no more filler episodes. And not only did we get another filler episode, uh, not necessarily completely filler. There were definitely some things that progressed the storyline through. Um, felt more filler than anything else. And very political. Um, uh, very very heavy-handed. Like, you know, I have no problem, and you've heard us say this many times, shows can do a great job handling real world problems and situations. And there was a sequence in this that was beautifully handled, but the setup to get to that point was horrendous. Yeah. Um, and we'll definitely get into that when we break down that Kansas. Yeah. So, um, absolutely. So let's jump backwards and start talking a little bit more about the episodes in depth, going back to season three, episode 20 dark side of the moon. Supergirl is stunned to discover that a part of Krypton survived. Meanwhile, Alex is attacked while out with Ruby and Lena considers how far she will go to keep rain contained. So, uh, 8.1 out of 10 from IMDB. So this fell into legend territory with them as well. But yeah, a lot of stuff to, um, you know, a couple things to break down. Again, not anything too, too much, too detailed. Um, (laughs) My biggest complaint with this episode, um, and I wrote down the note uh, that Alex is really good at handling delays. I mean, grenades. Uh, The grenade in the beginning turned red and it still took her a minute to get rid of it. Uh, You know, to find to and there just happened to be a coal disposing station. What well, the hell is that? Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb, sir. <laughs> That's true. That's exactly where it falls into. Like I, it's, it was, it was. It's a small detail. It's a nitpick, but there's that moment where like the the grenade is blinking blue. She picks it up. It turns red. Now every other thing I've seen, when a grenade turns red, you have literally a second to get rid of it because that means that's ignition. But she still had like a good like ten twenty seconds to get rid of this, and there happened to be a coal disposing station well they were in a picnic they were in a picnic area but i've been in a lot of picnic areas and never seen a place to dispose of coal ever no me neither (laughs) i mean the the coal thing makes sense when you say it's a picnic area but again my biggest issue like i said the delayed i mean grenade it's (laughs) keep it blinking blue you know make it like okay she's got time to get rid of this let's get rid of this and then last second let it turn red I think that's a big flub on the production side. Well, well, red means danger, Ben. It's kind of like putting <laughs> racing stripes in cars means they go faster. You know, uh-huh. it's the same thing. That's all. So maybe it would be blinking blue, solid red, blinking red when there's a lot of danger. Well, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a stoplight, but not quite. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say too. Uh, there was that moment. Obviously, we find out that Supergirl goes. They go to. I'm going to call it the Black Rock because I don't remember exactly what the name of the mineral was that they uh, after. It was, it was, I think, the Rock of Utical. I think it was what it was called. But I think there isn't there also another name for it, like the, the actual mineral name for it? Because I think Lee yeah, gives it yeah. to it at the end. Yeah, I, I can't remember what exactly they, they, they called it because, again, unfortunately, I, I watched this a week ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, my brain's still wrapping around all that. Uh, but yeah, we could still say it was a slice of the rocky Utical, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So. Uh, but you know, seeing Argo was was really a lot of fun, and you know, this city that's built on the side of a of a of a meteor, that basically this meteor came from Krypton, and this is a part of Krypton that still exists. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know more about the comic lore than I do. Is this something from the comics? Like, does Argo exist on the crater of a on the meteor of a of Krypton? Well, there is Argo City, and then there's also the bottled uh, bottled city of Candor. So, like I said, is this kind it, of like a mix of both? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I well, the Bottled City of Candor is a completely different piece of all this, but you no, know, Argo is did appear back in Action Comics. It, it is a, a real part of all of this. So, um, so yes, this is this is something real from the comic books, and then the Bottled City of Candor is something completely different. But it's also another small section. Like, Candor is something that Brainiac has. Basically, he collected it because he's the world collector, you know? Yeah. Um, where he took a piece of, of, of crypt, uh, Krypton before it was destroyed and basically has it amongst his possessions. Argo City is really, in the comic books, where Supergirl is from and has still contained to continue to exist in the comics. So, Okay. All right. Yeah, it was something I was curious about, and I didn't really do my due diligence and... and do the research on it, but I didn't really need to because I just enjoyed the way everything played out. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, we saw the return of Erica Durance, who uh, we know from Smallville, obviously, uh, who's playing Alora Zarel, Kara's mom. So we knew eventually she was going to come back into play. Uh, And I like everything that they did with it. I like, you know, that the, the city still existed, uh, you know, on a crater, and I like the fact of, you know, this was a great opportunity for with everything that Kara's been going through lately, you know, stopping uh, rain and such that this was an opportunity for her to feel normal. You know, she had no superpowers when she was there and she could walk around like she was a normal person. She had the, pre- the pressures of the world just kind of didn't exist. Or, oh, no, I'm confusing episodes. She well, was she was normal when she went to the city in this episode, but the walking around feeling normal, that was when she returned in the yeah. next episode. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, you got you got a taste of that, though, when she was there, where, where it was kind of the point of disbelief, but again, she was a grounded character when she was in episode 20, when she was in Argo, so we see that in this episode, and then again in episode 21. So you're, there's going to be a little bit of overlap in some of the discussions, because that kind of is one story, essentially. Um, you know, but it's and actually, I think this worked really well to have these two episodes paired together, because I think this is going to be our primary focus about Argo, um, with a little bit going into episode 22. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Although I think they're probably going to be returning by the end of episode 22. Yes, most definitely. And I think uh, Allura is actually returning with them, if I've seen you know, some, some uh, photos online and everything. I think Allura is actually going to Earth. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, which would be kind of cool to see. And I think she's suiting up. Mm-hmm. Which would be I think, cool which would be cool as well. Yeah, I think we will be seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, focusing on a lot of the stuff with, you know, we see uh we see a returning character in that uh we saw the sheriff that was arrested because of Alex's uh investigation in the what was the name of the episode again? Uh the episode that was entitled Midvale, which was Midvale, one of that's it. which is probably still in the runnings for the best episode of the season when we talk about the annual. So Yeah. So uh you know we got the returning character of the sheriff from that time because we find out that there is somebody who is indeed trying to kill Alex. Right. Um, and especially I think why it's such a they handled it so well too is you're seeing Alex's progression of you know becoming that caretaker for Ruby out throughout this episode, uh, which I think it was really very well done. Like I think they, they've actually managed to capture that wonderfully with her. Like it was this, it was a storyline that they brought up early on in the season that resulted in her and Maggie splitting up. But once she got past the whole Maggie angle of it and started having a more laser focus on you know taking the next steps, uh, I, I think this episode and the previous episodes like the fanatical 
really showed that side and have elevated that storyline in a pretty solid way. So I think they're doing a great job here with all that. So. Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but, you know, it's it's good to see that Alex is moving past the whole Maggie thing. Um, and now she's moving past it even further is by the end of the episode. And correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm mixing episodes again. Uh, but we see her looking into adoption. Uh, that's in not Kansas. That's 21. Damn so. it. I knew that was going to happen. Sorry. It's okay. I, I'm going to mix episodes quite a bit. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it's, it's nice to know that she's finally moving on from this and we're not getting this rehashing of the Maggie storyline that we, I know was a big point of contention with us before, not between us, but with the show. Right. Yeah. It yeah, just kept going back to that. Well, um, you know, so obviously we're seeing her as the caretaker of Ruby and really relatively soon within the episode, probably I think a little bit for a little bit half a little bit maybe further than halfway into the episode it seems like it's not the or maybe it is the end again a lot of this is starting to to run together um but we see monel and kara return with a piece of the rock that was given to them uh by the council yes and one of the interesting things about that council is we find out selena the the person that's been talking to the world killers is still alive and in argo so the fact that she is one of the people that actually said, here's the rock. So it, that left a weird, interesting wrinkle into everything. Um, so they, you know, that was that was something unexpected. I did not see that piece coming into play. So I will I will say focusing on that council for a second, there are actually two things that really came to my attention during that council. And I want to know if you you they're very obvious. And I wanted to see if you picked up on them as well. Um, first things first, we got the rings of Kandor. In the background, if you're familiar with that, these are the rings that are spinning in the original Superman around Zod before they're sent into the Phantom Zone. Yes. Those yeah. rings are actually in the background of the council. Which I thought was brilliant. I, I loved, loved catching yeah. that. That was that was a really beautiful touch. And um, the other thing I noticed, too, is I love seeing Tim Russ as one of the council members. If you're not familiar with Tim Russ, Tim Russ played Tuvok in Star Trek Voyager. Okay, see, that's that's not something I caught just because um, Star Trek for me was mostly just next gen. So, okay, all right, um, yeah, Tim Russ uh, was, um, yeah, he played a he, he played Lieutenant Tuvok in Star Trek Voyager, so he's big in the in the world of Star Trek. But I was a fan of Voyager, so it was really cool seeing Tim Russ return because I haven't really seen him in much of anything lately. So it was nice. You know, seeing him pop up on screen, I was it brought a smile to my face. But nice. Between, between seeing him and the rings in the background, I thought that was a really cool moment. That's great. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I think they really did a beautiful job in this episode. I mean, it was a very cut and dry. Um, and actually, both of these episodes are very cut and dry, so there's not a ton to dive into. But like I said, seeing Argo City kind of there and the, the fact that they brought into that, I really was thoroughly enjoying that. But like I said, that whole I, I think angle of Selena, the person that kind of helped create the world killers being still alive and kind of being like this head dark priestess and part of the council adds this extra layer to this villain angle for this year that I really think is elevating that storyline. And I think that was a really brilliant move. Well, so. it, om- it almost, it, it almost seems like this is the emperor from star Wars kind of moment. Yeah, it kind of does. It, it gives, it gives that gravitas and that weight to, to what's still to come in the like final two episodes. Um, 
you did bring up the other angle, though, real quick, too, the fact that Rain was becoming more um, uh, more immune to the kryptonite that Lena's been creating. And they do indeed, at the very end of the episode, come back with a slice of the Rocky Uticao, which we find out is what's essentially keeping everybody in Argo City alive. Um, that is helping to basically keep their shielding up and, you know, basically make their, their you know, that asteroid, you know, sustainable for them. So we find out that's a very important part of this. And it sounds like there's definitely a shelf life to Argo City. And it's the question of how long that really will be. And does them uh, does those characters having removed part of the, that rock, how is this going to impact Argo City? Are we going to see more Kryptonians come to Earth um, you know, in the future? But I love the fact that you know, this is now there. And those th- reasons for those threats of those characters from Krypton again. While we, I, I prefer that they don't keep going back to that well, it's still, an, I think, an important part of the Supergirl mythos, and I think they really handled this in a really smart and brilliant way. Yeah. Uh, kind of the way that Fort Roz was there, uh, and kind of a, a reason for the influx of the random villains of the week. Now having Argo City there as a potential for change down the road, it also will work out wonders. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, and, and we, we got a little bit more, you know, we see... At least for now, that you know, the the it sounds so cheesy, but the reign of rain mm-hmm. uh, has kind of come to an end in that she was separated from Samantha. Well, that's where we're moving into the next episode now. So, no, no, that happened in this episode. No, it did not. The very beginning of Not Kansas is when that happens. Are you sure? Absolutely. God the, uh, damn it. <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon ends with a moment where Rain breaks out of her prison. Oh, uh, that's the right. shield comes that's down right. and they get ready to go to blows and it cuts. God and damn it. We can end the conversation of Dark Side of the Moon there and make sure Ben's brain is back on track. <laughs> <laughs> so let's I watched, jump them, I watched them back to back. So, I mean, it's again, like these are these are things that are kind of like they cut together incredibly it, well. Yeah, like, they, they really do. do. So, but yes, okay, so then let's move on then to uh, episode 21, uh, Not Kansas. Kara makes a major life decision. Meanwhile, John finds out uh, that special DEO caliper guns have hit the streets of National City. Now, before we do that, there is one element of Dark Side of the Moon that we did not talk about. And that is everything that is going on with John and Marin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're finding out now that there is a special ceremony uh, with Martians in which the Elder does transfer his thoughts and his memories to... That's in Not Kansas as well. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> I watched it last night. Are you kidding? I thought that... <laughs> I No, I thought that all played into the whole with Alex mentoring thing. No. <laughs> Man... Not, right. Kansas, not Kansas is when they go into the full transference when when Marin is lucid uh, and has got his memories and John has a hard time connecting to that all and right, wanting then, to do it. Then, he makes that decision at the very end of the episode. All of right, Kansas. then we're just moving on to not Kansas. Jesus. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I mixed them up so bad. So that's all right. It's one of the reasons why we're doing these talking about these episodes back to back. Um, but yeah, anyway, so going back to my previous conversation, yes, we do see that thanks to the rock that, uh, Kara and Monel brought back, uh, we see that rain has been withdrawn. She's separated from Samantha now. Um, but you know, with the way the episode ends with, you know, Samantha kind of dropping the glass and kind of having that look on her face, do we feel that that's the case or do we feel that she still has kind of like this sense that something is still wrong? 
I think we have definitely not seen the end of Rain one bit. I think we're going to see a big bad moment with her in episode 22. Okay. All right. Um, see, my my initial impression was that I thought it would be an interesting twist if, you know, Rain has been separated and we kind of see what I kind of predicted a little while ago and that we're going to see the Rain versus Samantha kind of thing. It's um, very possible. Yeah, that's that is a very high chance that we're going to see that. So but I think, yeah, Rain's definitely not gone. But I'm, I'm right there with you. I could understand if Sam has been separated but only separated, where Rain is still a, a, a solid person now. Because, we, again, we in, in episode 20 in, in Dark Side of the Moon, Selena is the one that hands the rock to, to Kara. So she was one of those people there with her, uh, you know, with with Kara's mom, you know, when we find out she's still alive and says, here you go, here's here's what you guys need. It, it, it's and that evil smile happens. Like that comic book villainy, like mustache trolling evil smile at the end of that so you knew there was a plan for it. And obviously, if she's the creator of the world killers, this is not the solution to their problems. It is probably something that's going to elevate it into something far, far worse. So, what, And that's the thing. I think I kind of feel that, uh, you know, they, they felt that Samantha, you know, still existing within Rain was a weakness of Rain's. And what better way to get rid of the weakness than to just withdraw it? So mm-hmm. you pull Rain from Samantha you re-solidify Samantha now that you, you know you're on Earth and you've kind of created your own dark sanctuary again, as they do at the end of the episode. And you know, using that, you bring you bring Rain back to solid form. You now have two separate entities. You have Rain with no weakness now because Samantha is no longer a part of her. But because of that shared experience, Samantha still senses that something is wrong because mm-hmm. they they at one point were one. So I think with everything happening the way it happens at the end of the episode, I think Samantha drops the glass. I don't think she's reforming back into rain. I think that she just now knows that there is something seriously wrong. Right. Yeah. I'm right there with you because again, I, you know what? It was a very unceremoniously uh, unceremonious like end to rain in the very beginning of the episode. Like we're talking like credits are still rolling after that sequence uh, where we see her separated out. So, if that's been your big bad all season, that's not how it's going to go down and end, you know? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I would credit though. We could be wrong because Supergirl has done weird things with her finales many years in a row. Um, but I, I definitely think we, we've got quite a bit more to bookend that story. So, but yeah, I, I think, I think that they, they did it in a fun way that left you scratching your head before going into two really unnecessary stories. <laughs> so, well, here's the other thing that I'm thinking, too. I think that there's a possibility that while Rain has been the big bad throughout the course of the season and the one she's been battling with, I think there's a strong possibility that it's kind of been a wool pulled over our eyes and Serena is the big bad. Well, I think Selena very much is, Selena, our big bad, yeah. uh, is, is our big bad and Rain is kind of like, you know, Rain's the puppet, Selena is the puppet master, you know? Well, uh, I, I also puppet, but she's the bruiser for Selena. So. I also would not be surprised if now that Selena is on Earth, Selena finds a way to combine herself with Rain and become the ultimate world killer. It's very possible, and you have to remember now too. One of the things that they really, you know, bash into your head in in uh, not Kansas is, you know, people from Krypton when they're in Argo City don't have powers. We we see Monel offer the Legion Ring to Kara to be like, hey, this way you're safe, um, but. You now have, at the very end of the episode, 
Selena and some of the other priestesses, uh, you know, from Krypton are now on Earth. So that means they now have Supergirl's abilities as well. So you add one of these elders, these high council members from Krypton, which probably means they're already brilliant and strong and already have their, you know, their intensities. Now you have like basically one of the high witches that's probably as as you stated, and you're probably right, is going to merge with Rain. You know what we're gonna get from that, and that could be something pretty massive. And I, honestly, I, I I can't wait to see another big bad brawl, like we saw at the mid, like right around that mid season finale point with that that Rain Supergirl fight. I'm ready for another one of those in National City by the end of the season because that was such a great, wonderful sequence. And I want to see him do it again. I think I, you know what, and that I think that's my prediction for the end of the season. I say I think that we've seen the end of Samantha being Rain, and I think that Selena is going to absorb the 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 powers of Rain, which are kind of like kind of free floating now. Um, so rather than solidify her into another power into another person, which is kind of far fetched. I think she's going to take the powers for herself. I think she's going to absorb them into herself. And I think the final battle at the end of the season isn't going to be between Kara and Samantha. I think it's going to be between Kara and Selena. Yeah, and it's very possible it could be all three world killers because we do see three priestesses step off the ship at the very end of the episode when they steal John's uh, sweet ride uh, from Argo <laughs> City and, and head home, ahead to Earth. Uh, leaving Monel and Kara um, stranded in, in Argo City at the time. So it, it's a big question of, is it going to be all three world killers in new hosts, or is it just going to be Selena as Rain, or is it just going to be Rain as an entity by herself being controlled by the Dark Priestesses? I think those are the only three options you have. I think it's so. going to be, my prediction out of the three of them is I think it's going to be Selena as all three. Very, I think I think that's the highest probability, too. Because I, I think you know a one-on-one battle for the for the finale I think works better than anything else, especially after what we've seen between Kara and Rain earlier on in this season. So I think you know you step it up, you have it be somebody new who now has the abilities of all three world killers. Um, I think that's to me. I think that's that's what my prediction is: is that it's going to be those three. Yeah. Very, very, very true. All right, so should we get into the... Let's get into the other good storyline in this episode. Um, and then we'll talk about the other two that are not so good. So uh, by the other good one, we're talking the John and Marin. Yeah, yeah. Elements. Okay. Because um, I was going to say, because I actually like that story, so I hope you're not considering that a bad one. No, no, I think that was that was the other great part. The funny thing is that Rain stuff that we just talked about and the Selena stuff... It's a side story. Uh, that is that is maybe three minutes of this entirety of this episode. Um, and we talked about that at more great lengths because there was so much to unpack in those three minutes. The other 36 minutes that doesn't have to do with John and Marin <laughs> are a train wreck. And that's yeah. the only – those two pieces of this episode are what kept it new a hero. If not, I would probably rank this as my least favorite episode of Supergirl thus far. So. Yeah. Um, you know, as this season progresses, as this show progresses, I love more and more the moments that we get out of John and him interacting with other members of this show, other cast members of the show. We've gotten some great moments with him and Monel recently where he knows how Monel feels about Kara, uh, which is something that kind of does come up in this episode. Oh, see, let's, let's save that because I have some words to say about that one. Okay, all right. Um, but, you know, we saw in the last episode he had a nice, really touching moment with Alex saying that Alex is going to be a wonderful mother, you know, kind of reassuring her about that. But, you know, John kind of has demons of his own that he's dealing with in that, you know, 
know, we mentioned earlier, there's this whole ceremony in which, you know, the elder passes along his memories and thoughts uh, to the younger. And that's something that they go through in this episode, not the last episode. And um, that's something that obviously is John is, is very tough to deal with because it's, it's very tough for him to deal with because in essence, it's him saying goodbye to his father. Right. Uh, you know, which that's not just a Martian thing. That's that's tough for anybody. You know, yeah. You know and that I, that's something you have to say goodbye to a parent. I, and I think because the finale of the season is called Battles Lost and Won. I, I you know, when you know, we're going to be saying probably goodbye to Carl Lumby by the very end of the season. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. And, if, I, not, actually, if not, but before. Yeah. And I'm very sad about that because it's he's been such a great character. Uh, and I really just think the chemistry on screen between him and David Hare would have been one of the most beautiful parts of this season, hands down. Uh, and I'm really excited to see a, that culminate into a really beautiful end because I know it's going to be a beautiful end. That's, I think, one thing that they've done brilliantly this season. So, Yeah. Um, I, I will say... Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that when we when we had the interview with David Harewood, you know, getting to talk to him about like his interactions with with Carl Lumby throughout this too. It, it's been, they've been some of my favorite moments from this season. So it, it is going to be sad to see Carl Lumby leave the show. Um, but on top of that, before we move on to those other two negatives of this episode, um, I do have one moment of this show that brought a huge smile to my face. It's not the first time it's happened this season, but every time it happens, it makes me smile. James yelling Miss Tessmacher. Yes. It, it, it's <laughs> it's always just wonderful. Like it, it just makes you smile. It brings you back to to, you know, the classic film with Gene Hackman and Christopher Reeves and it it just it's a wonderful feeling when when that those statements happen because it brings that you get that beautiful kick of nostalgia that just makes you smile. Yeah, and between the you know the rings uh, of Candor in the last episode, and then this, th- th- those are two really good like throwbacks to the original that I you know to the original stuff, the original films that I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. So I will say that. Um, all right, <laughs> you're right. There are two other elements of this show. I actually I know of one. I'm very curious what the other one is. Uh, all right, that you're thinking we'll, we'll, of. We'll get into the later one before we get into the more in depth one. So when we're spending time on Argo, there is a massive problem and there's a very bad problematic sequence in this episode. As I was watching it with my wife, uh, who is an author, as many of you know. Um, So but she writes everything from, you know, sci fi fantasy to young adult to paranormal romance to contemporary romance. And those things are difficult to write well. And let me tell you how horribly they wrote <laughs> the sequence where you have Monel looking like he is coming, you know, wearing khaki pants and a linen shirt, and Cara uh, car in white, and they go on for what felt like an eternity discussing all their things. And you're like, all you had to do was have one quick moment, allow them to kiss, close up that storyline, have Monel make his decision. In the time that they had that conversation, they could have had sex, went out for dinner. <laughs> Gone home and then thought about what they're going to do for the next two weeks before that conversation was done. It was it drug on so horrendously horribly. And then they even threw a flashback in just to do it. And it was kind of like, let's build up the moment. Let's build up the moment. And I'm like, you don't have to build it up anymore. You've been building towards this all season long since he's been back. 
don't keep doing this only to have, hey, look, an explosion happens and we're going to save this kiss moment for the finale. You don't need to do it that way. It, it's it felt like a waste of screen time that you could have done something more in depth and interesting or maybe build up that big fight in the beginning of the episode a little heavier when they cure rain to make it feel like they actually fought to do this. It was a big, huge fight, not a blink and you miss it. Ollie and, you know, John Berriman's fight on the rooftop scene where you're like, that's it. Really? You're kidding me. It, it was it was that moment all over again. And that bothered me incredibly much that they wasted that much screen time for accomplishing absolutely nothing. Um, we know, hey, look, they both have feelings for each other. Ta-da! Yeah, we could have told you that, like, weeks ago. So, yeah, it's yes, it's out in the open, but all they can say is, I miss you, I, I do too, and one person not saying anything, kiss and be done with it. Like, I do think the romance elements of the show usually work very well. We talked about in great lengths over the years on how the relationship angles of the show, whether it's a love interest, family interests, you know, friends is the core of what Supergirl is and has been since this show has started. You don't need to drag it out into dangerous territory of just filling time. And they really did it here in a very bad way. So I was very displeased on how that how that drug out just for the sake of dragging it out so yeah no it's you're right it's almost like they could have the show could have taken a commercial break in the middle of that conversation and when they came back from the break Monel would still be talking to Kara it felt that way it really and, did it and was, he it wouldn't was, have gotten to his point yet and like I said we even said last year I love the chemistry of those characters they should definitely be together and when they did what they did last year like okay they're gonna find a way to fix this and resolve it this is not the way they should have done it. Well, the, the the charisma actually works between these two characters as well because they're two characters that are actually together in real life. You know, M- Melissa Benoist and Chris Wood are actually dating in real life. So that, it's one of the reasons why the chemistry works so well with them on screen. Now, if something happens with that relationship, that could cause something later. But, you know, when you have that situation, it's kind of like the similarities with Brandon Routh and, um, for the life of me, can't remember his real life wife's name, but the, when they finally got to act on screen together, they were some of our favorite moments from the show. Absolutely. Because yeah. you have these two characters that are interact with each other on a daily basis in real life, also interacting on screen. So that chemistry really shines through. But yeah, but you're right. This was just one moment that was just so drawn out. Yeah. So all right, I think if my episode time count now is down to, let's see, we had about our three to four minutes for our rain sequence. <laughs> We had about maybe six or seven minutes for the John and Marin stuff and 20 minutes for one sequence for two characters talking and accomplishing nothing. So let's talk about the rest of the train wreck that is not oh Kansas. God. It's, it's- uh, all right. So I'm going to I want to start this off because okay. I, there's an episode of Arrow that I know a lot of people thought was good that I just fried to hell last year. Which yeah, I think even you, I, I think you and I even had differences of of opinion. I kind Absolutely. of liked the episode, and you didn't. Well, my problem with when they did it in Arrow, this conversation essentially in Arrow, I'm like, you're bringing up this conversation very heavily. You have two sides making their two separate arguments that are very heavy handed. And at the end of the episode, you accomplish nothing. You just say, "Well, there's a problem, and the problem is the communication." No. No crap. Like, we knew this. You established that the moment those like, your characters started speaking. You, when you achieve nothing with a storyline, this storyline should not exist. And when you're heavy-handed on political stuff, I do understand taking a stance and stuff. I'm a person outside of doing this as a piece of entertainment, and that's why 
for everybody's knowledge, Ben and I try to steer clear of a lot of things as best as we can because we do understand not everybody is going to share our political views. So we we do that because we really love you guys and we, we don't want you to not be able to enjoy our show because there could be a difference of opinion on something. But I do really appreciate when a show is willing to take a stance and say, this is what we believe in. And Supergirl is a show that's done that very heavily. There's some of the, some amazing, amazing episodes. Uh, we had a, a comments going on uh, a, a little while back on our page and, you know, a lot of people were like, Hey, you know, they're bringing a transgendered character in next season. A lot of people were very, really excited about it. I'm like, you know what? The beautiful thing about the show is that it handles usually really strong world issues in a really great way. Like last year, like they handled xenophobia in a perfect way and using that through the angle of, uh, you know, how aliens are treated on earth that are refugees, you know, from everything that's happened over the course of the, the series so far, this episode, not so much. They don't handle that quite the right way. We now have lines of dialogue brought in, uh, in very choppy ways where, we find a DEO style gun is out there in the mass market as a, a hunting rifle, which is essentially they're like, hey, here's an AK. And it looked just like an AK. And then, you know, they find that that's out on the mass market. And I'm like, all right, well, this is I I, mean, I understand where they're going with the story. And then all of a sudden you start getting in this gun control debate yet again between James and Lena. And they kind of tie up their conversation at the end. It's like, you know what? It's fine. We have pizza. Let's not think about it. That's <laughs> essentially what I got from that whole sequence. It was Lena's like, well, I have a gun. And I and, you know, James is like, so you're a person that thinks everybody should have a gun to make everybody safer again. And I'm like, OK, we're going to do this, aren't we? And then they're like, nope, we're not. Let's just eat pizza. And then that's when we get our Miss Tessmacher. We're going to need your stomach for these. Well, and that's all it was. That but was you know such what? But, a joke. But here's my thing, and this is kind of like playing the opposite side of this. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like, I, when it came to the episode and it came to that whole thing, like, when they're, when they're in the office of the gun manufacturer and, you know, they're saying, like, these guns are now on the street and the gun manufacturer is like, well, you know, it's a, it's a legalized version, you know, it's a hunting rifle. No, it's not a hunting rifle. Well, they put a bump stock on it. Like, look, that's all stuff that we're talking about in real life right now. That was at the point when, when all of that conversation started, like, I, I, I think you could audibly hear the thump of my head hitting my desk. Yeah. Because, same. you know, like, I'm like, oh, God, okay, are we really getting into this now? Like, three episodes before the finale? Like, we're going to touch on a political statement now? Like, do this earlier on. Like, that's when you do this. But as far as the whole James and Lena moment, um, I kind of appreciated that because I've seen too many friendships, too many relationships end because of political debates. So... The fact that, yes, they saw differences in, you know, in, they didn't see eye to eye on this subject. I actually appreciated the fact that they, they didn't make it a big point of contention. It was the two of them being able to be mature about this, take a step aside, look at each other and be like, you know what? And like kind of in a silent moment, say to each other, we're not going to fight about this. We're not going to let this end our relationship. Let's just have some pizza and move on. Because, well, I, you know, and, and that's how I looked at that situation in that I, scene. I, I do agree with you. I want to. I, I will say this. I hundred percent agree with you. My problem was how horribly it was written. Okay. The, it was the per performance of it and the dialogue choice and the way that it was portrayed. It was like we're going to have a two minute conversation that's going to really serve no purpose in this episode. When you could have, there's a lot you could have done with the storyline to get the same message across 
and where it would have fit into the core of what the show has been. And I think that was where my problem was. I do appreciate what they were trying to do. I just think that they failed in their execution of it. Um, but you're right. No, I, I'm 100% behind the message of what they were trying to do and, tr- and trying to say and actually did say it was just – the quality of the writing there was very heavy handed in a very poor and it was delivered in a very choppy, poor manner. I think that's what I'm trying to get across. So I don't I, I well, like I said, I don't want you to think I disagree with you on on, on that statement because I'm, I'm actually right behind you on that. I think that was an important message, but I think the execution was poor. OK. All right. I can understand that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was the same thing with Arrow. It was it was I understood what they were trying to do. It was just the execution didn't work. So, yeah. And again, I mean, it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, this is a political message. I understand that you're taking a stance on it. And especially by the end of it, like you could say, like, you know, the whole Lena and James situation where they just kind of look at each other. Let's have pizza. Let's forget about this is them not taking a stance. But by the end of this. You have the whole moment with Jean saying that we're getting rid of lethal. We're not. We're destroying all of our guns. Wayne is going to come up with non-lethal weapons for us to use. And if you have a problem with that, I can reassign you. I, I, you can send it. Walk away. You can look at that situation and be like, okay, that's taking a stance when it comes to this. But you also have to remember, if you look at this from a show perspective and as a fan's perspective, the fact that it'd be one thing if John said we're not using lethal weaponry anymore. And then ended it at that. That's fine. But the fact that he throws in the point that Wynn is working on non-lethal weapons, I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. Because Mm -hmm. Wynn is a kick-ass technician, and while these weapons may not be lethal, they're going to be effective. Right. And I think what it... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just looking at it as a fan of the show and the product... I'm totally fine with that stance because, yes, you're making a point that you're saying we shouldn't be using lethal force as as our first go to. And people are going to have issues with that, which, you know, you see people of the DEO walk away after he says that. But the fact that, you know, you're not leaving it at that, the fact that you're saying when's going to come up with this technology to make it work. I, I'm like I, at, that, at that point, I can take that situation, lean back in my chair and be like, OK, I'm fine with this. Yeah. And, and what it was was my problem is the reason I, I hated the story so much is. Because they had to shoehorn in all the other pieces, you could have done the same story that had the exact same message and been more effective if you had a situation where there was somebody from, uh, you know, uh, there was an alien in National City and was critically injured from a DEO member or something like that. And they're like, we didn't mean for this to happen. This was this was a situation where there was somebody that was a shapeshifter or something like that. Or they looked exactly like maybe someone else and caused the death of an alien and John having to make a stance about no no more lethal force. You could have had the exact same message that would have kind of touched that touches on the gun control angle and, you know, um, you know, authority, brutality and all these angles and got the same message across and did that without being so heavy handed. And I think that's why I'm disappointed because the writers are smarter than this. And they should know this and they can achieve this by telling a better story that fits more in line with what they've done than saying, well, I don't know what to do this episode. What's a big hot topic right now that's happening in our country and saying, boom, here you go. Ta-da. You know, let's do this and just even go to a gun manufacturer. Talk about the bub stock stuff that has been going on in our country since, you know, the amount of mass shootings we've had in the last, you know, year, essentially. I mean, for well, many, many years, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then doing that, and, and like I said, it, John's message at the end was great. I, I really loved the way that they did that. It was the story leading up to what was very unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, and not, you know, you not even not even just the whole putting a bump stock onto it, you know, to make it legal, or, you know, to make it illegal, but you know, making a le- legalized version of a, of this gun as a hunting rifle. You touch on the base of like, you know, yes, there are gun people out there right now that feel an AK forty seven, or you know is a hunting rifle to them. They use it like if you try and say to them, and again, not to get political, but if you ask them, would you need a military weapon like that before, like that for, I've gotten answers of like, I use it to hunt like raccoons and squirrels and stuff like that. Well, you could do that with a normal rifle. You don't need an AK for that. They kind of touch on that as well. And even go a step further in the, the gun manufacturer saying, well, like if I pull this from our line, that takes food out of people who work for me like that. You know, it's, it doesn't put, food on my family's table uh, yeah. okay that's kind of touchy yeah um and you know then he makes the line of kind of like looking at james it's kind of like it's, it's the same way that you want any everybody in the world to be reading catco magazine it, it's and then you're like okay there's a couple good lines there in a conversation of a debate but the, the like again execution 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 yeah. uh is probably it was very problematic and it 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 felt like instead of hey here's the problem this is what this show is doing to handle the solution instead of this is our writer's political stance and we're going to try to cram it down your throat it's it there's two sides of that and and there's a really fine line between those two things and it's one of those things they did not achieve and i again i we we've laughed at political messages the this show has done legends of tomorrow has done arrow flash all these things where black we're lightning. like black black lightning, black lightning. The whole season was a political message and and I think it's because we've seen it done so well elsewhere that when one of these shows does it poorly, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And this was an episode that stuck out like a sore thumb where it was like, come on, guys, you, you can write really strongly. Why aren't you doing it now? And that was that was just very disappointing to see them do it the way that they did. Um, a, a very important message delivered in a very poor manner. I think that's really what it boils down to. No, I mean, and I have to make this make this very well known. We, we say this a lot. Um, it, again, we're not taking a stance on gun control when we talk about this. It, you know, we stay away from that. Um, we're basically just talking. So before anybody messages us like, uh, like, oh, you should own a gun or you shouldn't own a gun, uh, we, we don't care when it comes to this podcast. You have a right to your own opinion. We're not taking a political stance on this. We are more talking about the execution of the point. Yeah. So and that's what it boils down to. have to make that known. Yeah. Like I said, we, we review these critically as entertainment and entertainment first and foremost. Um, if you want our political stances uh, – be best friends with us because yeah. we don't talk about it with anybody else. And <laughs> exactly. I, I don't even – I barely post on Facebook. I only post to give you guys news. That's the only reason I still have a Facebook account. I've uh, I've, posted, so. I've, I've posted on Facebook. I am guilty of it. Um, but usually it's, it's only if I ever get like really, really heated about something, mm-hmm. I'll post. Most of the time, I'm able to just like – I'll start typing and I'll be like, mm, no, I'm just going to delete this and I'm not even going to post it. And – that happens quite a bit. Like, I've gotten good at that. I've seen somebody post something, and I'll want to comment, and I'll start my comment, and then I'll be like, nope, it's not worth it. Like, I'm just going to hit backspace and be done with it. Yep. Um, but if I get really heated about something, I've been guilty about posting stuff. I've done it quite – I've actually been guilty of it, like, within the past week and a half I've done it. Um, and any listeners who are friends with me personally on Facebook, they know. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, but when it comes to this podcast, we're not taking a side. We're strictly talking about this from an entertainment perspective. Right. So, well, like I said, it's it's Supergirl has been guilty of it a couple times this season in, in rough ways and last year. So it's something this show needs to improve upon if it wants to continue to do this. Man, by all means, make your stance known. Let your characters follow those stances. It's great. I understand it. I really appreciate when places do it. But if you get your messaging across poorly and you handle an important subject matter in a poor way, it's going to affect the way we review your show. Yeah. So, um, anything else before we talk about the uh, before we just look ahead to the future? Uh, Supergirl, do better. Uh, that's it. <laughs> so. All right. Um, yeah, so looking forward to this coming week. We have the penultimate episode, Make It Rain. Supergirl leans the true death of... It is Serena. You were saying Selena, and it's Serena. Oh, well, I've, I'm looking at IMDb and seeing Selena, so... I, uh, I'm looking at IMDb right now. It says Serena. Weird. Okay. Serena, then. We're going to yeah. go with Serena. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. Supergirl leans, learns the true death of Serena's nefarious plans for Earth. Supergirl, Monel, and Alora must devise a plan to stop her before Serena gets to Earth. Too late. Uh, John prepares to say goodbye to his father. So, yeah, uh, you know, we're, we might be seeing a little bit of that, that what we didn't want to see. And that Carl Lumby might be um, leaving the show relatively soon. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but yeah, so we'll see. Penultimate, two episodes left of the season, and then we head into the summer for a little bit of a break. All right, uh, <laughs> let's get through this nightmare that is the news. Yes, sir. All right, so I do apologize. I know there's going to be stories I miss in here. If there's anything major, Ben's going to jump in, uh, you know, throughout. And because there's so much in here, um, you know, Ben, if you could just dive in and continue some of the conversations because my throat's starting to get a little dried out. But <laughs> yes, uh, but- I, w- I will join in when I can. Okay, so uh, let's kick off with uh, DC's enter- uh, DC Entertainment president Diane Nelson is indeed leaving Warner Brothers after working there for 22 years. Uh, recently, we did mention that she was on a hi- uh, like on hiatus for a little while and she needed a little bit of a break. Uh, but she did say that um, officially she is now indeed stepping down. Uh, you know, Warner Brothers CEO Kevin Tushahara basically said, said that, you know her hiatus is now permanent. So uh, we don't really know um, the full details, but I will state this uh, from what Diane did say. Warner's, uh, Warner Brothers has been my home for over 20 years with a wide variety of incredibly professional experiences. The last nine, rebuilding and managing DC Entertainment, have been a, partic- a particular highlight and privilege. With the support and talents of our staff and creators, I am proud to leave DC even stronger than when I joined it, and I will miss everyone, particularly my executive management team, without uh, whom none of our achievements could have been realized. I'm excited to take on the next professional adventure. So this just sounds like, again, she is just kind of retiring and moving on to another company. Uh, she is responsible for, like I said, just DC as a whole, and if you think at how strong Rebirth has been, uh, she was a person that was a large proponent of that. So, um, you know, DC Entertainment is not just you know, comic books, it is their TV line, it is their film brand. Yes, there's problems there, definitely. But uh, it's video games, it's their marketing, it's everything that they do. So she has done a very great job in most facets uh, of this, you know, like running DC, not stating specifically, you know, how Warner Brothers has maybe handled those properties. I think we could go on for that for hours on end. But I think DC as a whole, she's done a great job. So I'm really looking forward to seeing who steps into that role uh, in the future. And kind of continues to build that brand yeah all right so we are going to mention again real quick uh in video game world 
uh, Rocksteady, the guys that made uh, the wonderful Batman Arkham series. Uh, there was a teaser poster that leaked out of the Superman cape. Um, and it looks like a shot definitely from a video that's coming up or a, maybe a potential poster. Uh, but what we know right now, potentially it's going to be called Superman World's Finest. Uh, and what has been rumored is, uh, yes, indeed, uh, Rocksteady is uh, the developer. Uh, it sounds like there is now larger rumblings that the reveal will happen at Microsoft's press conference today, which I believe starts in 30 minutes our time. Um, so Brainiac is going to be the main villain. There are other DC heroes involved. Indeed, it is also a single player only video game. This is, again, just the rumors. But I guarantee we're going to see something about this within the next hour. Um, so while we may not post something tonight, uh, we will do our best to get that up on the Facebook page the moment that that trailer hits. So be ready. Um, jumping in to the streaming service, though, one of the things we've been talking about for a while is when that streaming service is coming out. Sounds like indeed our early thoughts and process about when things are going to hit was we said probably around San Diego Comic-Con time. There was a massive rumor that this is indeed launching in August. So that lines up perfectly time-wise on yeah. when that's going to happen. Um, we don't know much. This is, again, purely just a rumor. But as we expected, this is probably going to hit around San Diego Comic-Con. I have a feeling we're going to get one of those moments on stage where they're going to say, hey, guys, this is DC Universe. This is how much it costs. By the way, it's available right now. I, I would not be surprised to see one of those moments happen. No, so. and you know what? And there's a lot of excitement behind it, too, because I know a lot of people who have even said, like, damn it, like, DC is going to make me actually pay for this, meaning they're willing to pay for this now. Um, you know, between the announcement of, you know, the live-action Swamp Thing, Titans, all this other old back catalog that's going to be added to it, all these new shows that are coming to it, I can tell you right now, I'm trying to back down on the number of streaming services that I have. Like, I already have Netflix and Hulu and CBS and stuff like that. Um, this is getting added to the list. It's, yeah. it's it's really easy. It's not a hard decision to make for me at all. Yeah, I, I think if they when they come out and make that announcement and when we get the full details, that could be – I might just support it just to support it, even though I may watch stuff on Plex. Yeah. Uh, but I want – if they do a really good job and if I watch Titans and I say this is really great – and then I'm going to say, sure. And that's what it's going to be. I'm going to watch the first couple episodes of Titans and see if it's something I want to really truly support. And then I'll support it. And I can tell you right now, too, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the other things I'm really and I'm really looking forward to about this DC streaming service is as somebody who is currently working on a convention of their own, an event of their own. Uh, this opens a lot of doors for potential guests. These are people that you would not potentially see at a convention because they haven't really done anything mainstream before. This kind of, you know, whereas like, you know, FanFest has like Stephen Amell and Wizard World has like Amell and Barrowman and Jason Momoa and all these guys that are already on the forefront of this. This is now bringing a whole new cast of characters to this forefront that you can snatch up from the start of this and bring in because they're now new and they're now popular. Yeah. All right. So continuing into a little bit of stuff based around the streaming stuff, let's talk a tiny little bit about Titans. And one of the big things that just happened in the last two weeks, there was a great shot uh, that came out. I think it was on June 7th that uh, we saw a, a shot of the bat symbol on set. So uh, like I said, that is very exciting to know that we're definitely going to be seeing Gotham City that has been confirmed. Gotham City will make an appearance in Titans. It still leaves us the question of will we see Batman or not, but we definitely know that Bat Symbol will be present. Uh, in addition to that, Curran Walters, who was rumored a while ago to be playing Jason Todd, it has <clears> been confirmed. He is indeed playing Jason Todd. There is the first shots of him on set. 
uh, kind of just in just normal street clothing. Uh, he has the right look for this character, I can already say, so I can't wait to see him fully suited up as the Red Hood. So, And last but not least, it sounds like we may be getting something very special at the end of the series. And it sounds like none other than Connor Kent Superboy may be making an appearance in Titans before the finale. After, so, after watching Young Justice, dude, that's pretty exciting for me. Absolutely. I'm really excited about that news. Uh, but tilting a little bit into Titans adjacent, let's talk a little bit about Team Titans Go for just a second. Uh, very specifically, one of my favorite voice actors of all time made a statement recently, and that is Tara Strong, stating that there's talks behind the scenes that if Team Titans Go to the movies does well in the theaters, Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment is considering bringing back the classic Teen Titans characters and with that same cast into that traditional animation series that we saw back in the day that had the Puffy Ami Yumi theme song that made these characters important before they did the Go versions of these characters. So they're so basically they said, go, they're going to evolve them. Well, it's basically they, they were those characters, then they were devolved for Go, and then they're going to bring them back to what they initially were when that Teen Titans yeah. series first started. So they said that could they said that would be a season six of the show. So if you loved that show, which I did with Ron Perlman's version of Dark, uh, like Deathstroke, which was amazing, uh, this could be massive. Because if you didn't watch that show, while it was super <laughs> humorous, man, they did some great jobs with some stories, especially things like the Judas Contract, things like that. So. Uh, very exciting. So if you love that show, definitely support Teen Titans. Go to the movies. Make that show come back. So if they're already having those talks, that's awesome. The last appearance we had of those characters in that version was Teen Titans Trouble in Tokyo. It was just a direct-to-DVD movie and it aired you know, on Cartoon Network, and that was it. So, uh, Jumping into the TV realm, uh, the Arrowverse EP, Greg Berlanti, the man that has more shows on TV than any other t- television <laughs> producer ever. Uh, which he recently received that award. I think he has 13 shows currently airing on television right now or under contract. I think he broke that record by four shows. So that's just this year. That's crazy. Um, So they did state he just signed a brand new huge deal with Warner Brothers Television for $300 million. Uh, The second largest deal in Warner Brothers Television history outside of Chuck Lorre, which is massive massive so just to continue to create content for warner brothers television's division um if you haven't watched some of his other stuff man this guy just is killing it uh one of his best shows out there right now if you haven't given it a shot is riverdale uh which is a murder mystery series and done incredibly well keeping that 50s aesthetic in a modern day setting and uh man uh, some great actors and actresses on that show really engaging story and uh it harkens back to a show that only made it a couple of years, but it was really brilliant, which was Scream on MTV. If you like that murder mystery feel, uh, they they did the same thing here. So this kind of is that nice feel of that that classic murder mystery angle kind of played out over this small town in R- Riverdale. And uh, man, it's uh, if you like comic book stuff and you haven't given that a shot, please do so. But obviously his other shows like Berlanti we know for for obviously starting things like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and Black Lightning. Uh, Then, obviously, as we mentioned, Riverdale, uh, All-American is a new show starting up. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which is going to be more horror-oriented. A spinoff for for Riverdale, too, I think, isn't it? 
Uh, it's not going to be a spinoff anymore. I think they said this is going to be a direct Netflix show. Okay. Uh, I think they said there'll be ties to Riverdale, but it will be really more its own thing. Uh, he's also executive producing Teen Titans, Doom Patrol, uh, Blindspot on NBC, uh, God uh, God Friended Me, and then The Red Line on CBS. And he is, they said officially, he is still indeed developing a Booster Gold movie for Warner Brothers. Is, oh, that's uh, so cool. And uh, he had his first directorial debut with a movie called Love Simon recently as well. So, and he was also the producer on the on the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern too. Uh, no, I think that was Kreisberg. No, I'm looking at it on IMDb. He was a producer for Green Lantern. Oh, that's right, that's right. And I remember him. There's a great Fat Man on Batman with him, I believe, if memory serves correctly, uh, where he talks about how horribly that went. So, <laughs> uh, I think but, he also worked on. Um, oh no, maybe not. Okay. I thought he worked on Constantine as well, but oh, he did. Yeah. Oh no, he's working on the new one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but now let's jump into the TV world. It's kind of that was our bridge back in, but there is a big story of a character that is not going to be a a returning member in Legends of Tomorrow, and that is indeed Keenan Lonsdale is actually going to be leaving the show as a season regular. He said he will still make an appearance in the season five premiere of. Uh, uh, the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, from what it sounds like. Uh, but it, it, this actually was not them writing his character off. This was his personal choice. To, he said he wanted to step away. He said he's done a lot of projects over the last year or so and really just wanted to kind of continue on. And he said as much as he absolutely adores and loves um, you know, playing this character, and he said this is not a goodbye forever, but he did say um, it was just time for him to move on, which we, can, we can't, you know, State that's not the right call for him. I know. I think everybody agrees. I think that there was a lot of mishandling of Wally West since he's been around, and uh, they didn't have a lot for him to do. It's a shame because he it feels like he found a home on Legends, but uh, he said it's definitely not a total goodbye or is it a see and never. He's just uh, he said whenever they need Kid Flash, he said he'll be happy to put that suit back on, and uh, he'll be there when you need him the most. So. Yeah. Um, so shame to see, but like I said, thankfully we get with characters like John Constantine coming in. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to be at a loss for, for fun characters. No, so. but it now does add another empty seat to the wave rider. It does. It does. So, um, so it sounds like we've got some news coming up too on uh, Suicide Squad. So there's quite a little bit to unpack here, but like I said, we'll start with the light stuff and then I'll get back into it at the very end because there's a big rumor mix that deals with a lot of Warner Brothers projects right now. Uh, but we do know right now there is a new co-writer to Suicide Squad 2, but in the name of uh, an actor by the name of Todd Stashwick, which I know many people may be familiar with in the past. So uh, he has also he's had roles on Heroes, The Riches, uh, the originals, 12 Mo- and the 12 Monkey series. Uh, you know, great actor, but uh, he is jumping in as well. Uh, we also saw him play uh, Richard Sionis um, in uh, Gotham. So, uh, you know, the, or the proto black mask. So like I said, it sounds like he is definitely going to have a large role in helping recreate for stuff for suicide squad too. Um, some of the other things that happened this week in the film side of the world, Warner brothers has announced Jared Leto's Joker standalone movie. And before you freak out, wait until I get to the very final conversation of our news for this week. Um, they said, this is still going to be happen. Uh, they're plotting things out. We don't know much in the way of details, but they did state that indeed the other project that potentially is in the works as well, uh, that other Joker project with uh, Joaquin Phoenix is also still, or well, Joaquin Phoenix, I think where they said Leo, uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is still also in the works in the background. So it's the question of what this is going to be. So again, uh, announced, but not 
doesn't mean will indeed come to fruition. So it's a wait and see. Uh, jumping into a little bit more. Um, actually, I'm going to skip this one. We're going to come to that at the end. Uh, right initially two weeks ago, and I apologize for the delay on this, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is our official title, as stated by Patty Jenkins last week. Um, like I said, you know, we already know a few things that uh, filming is getting ready to begin. Uh, we know that they're going to actually be doing some shots inside sequences in the malls and such. So we're definitely going to get a fun uh, 80s vibe, it sounds like, in full to this. But that uh, logo definitely has that old school look to it. it looks like kind of there's a vhs tracking tracking lines going through that logo too so pretty neat uh also a little bit of neon hang you know chilling in there as well so uh very much looking forward to seeing what they're going to do uh in, in addition to this some other fun things birds of prey the movie we've been talking about a little bit in the past now is almost seems like nothing but officially rumored at this point but it sounds like more and more like this is the truth both huntress and black canary sound like will be major characters in this film they did state we're not going to be seeing characters like poison ivy and whatnot or Catwoman in this film this sounds like it means this is going to be a birds of prey birds of prey flick um and harley quinn will have obviously her involvement in this in some way shape or form so very very much looking forward to seeing this because now we already have what it, you know batgirl is making her appearance here uh you know we've got huntress and black canary so we have the traditional core so I'm very happy to see that moving in that direction. So, uh, But let's get to the big story to unpack everything. Again, these are all purely rumors. Uh, we're going to start here right off the bat with Suicide Squad 2. There, uh, This came out of – let me see if I can skim through. There was a Reddit post initially, but it was a Reddit board specifically where most of the original sources, a lot of things that actually came to fruition for the DCEU and their intel, and it came from that specific source member in Reddit, dumped a ton of information um, just two or three days ago. Uh, first things first, Suicide Squad 2. Uh, I'm just going to read this verbatim for everybody to make life easier. As Warner Brothers looks to dump Zack Snyder's aesthetic for DC Films Universe, it sounds like Suicide Squad 2 will go a long way in redeeming some familiar faces. While the studio is not going to recast members like the Joker or Killer Croc or Deadshot, pretty much every member of Task Force X is reportedly getting a full, a full over makeover so the fan favorite villains will be resembling their comic book counterparts. They said in the case of the Joker, that also means that he is going to be losing the tattoos and jewelry. They said the only thing that they've been stated is the only thing that's going to stay is probably the teeth. And they said it sounds like they are going to roll into the fact that he did lose them from a fight with Batman. So they said it's just going to keep that angle. Leto's going to do this, but we're going to lose that mo mobster tatted up kind of like punk rock look. It sounds Thank like going classic look so it sounds like they said they, this is uh, this is pretty much all fully almost but all but 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 confirmed they said of course with suicide squad 2 still in development uh who knows how much this will change uh also it is uh, it is however worth noting jeff johns is insanely and closely involved with crafting this sequel where he had almost zero involvement with the original um the batman film uh is uh, being envisioned as a one-off movie not a prequel, not a superhero uh, film that's starting up a new trilogy. They said this is going to be a solo film. They said this is also not going to do anything to set up a Gotham-verse spitting out, uh, you know, Nightwing or Batgirl. This is a standalone Batman film. Uh, right now, it sounds like it also has been confirmed Matt Reeves is indeed looking to fully recast Ben Affleck. So this is something we've been hearing for a while. Jake Gyllenhaal was somebody that was apparently in the high considerations 
they stated is no longer under any form of consideration after signing on to be playing, for what it sounds like, Mysterio uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming. So, uh, so it sounds like what we did here, somebody younger, slimmer, more agile, and more intense is what somebody Matt Reeves is looking for. Uh, it has also been stated, too, that his inspiration for this is a more somewhat grounded, but still set very much in that Batman world. He said he's looking at uh, directors like Christopher Nolan, David Lynch, and Michael Mann as his inspirations for his look and design of his version of Gotham City and this character. Uh, and then as far as the villains right now, there are four rumored to be involved with the film. No one is quite sure who and why or what. King but Tut. Unfortunately not, but the list we got <laughs> here is pretty great. Uh, the four villains mentioned in the concept art that apparently have been seen behind closed doors involve Two-Face, the Penguin, the Riddler, and Victor Zaz. So really, really awesome mix. Uh, not only that, but it sounds like we may also be getting Robin in this movie, but not a Robin we expect. It sounds like Warner Brothers is looking to cast a female Robin. So this could be definitely one of two characters. So this could be very much, we could be looking at a potential Carrie Kelly from the Dark Knight, you know, returns from you know Frank Miller, or we could also maybe be seeing somebody like Stephanie Brown, who was uh, held the mantle for some time as well. So it sounds like that could be the angle that we're going, and it sounds like we are also going to be ditching the this design and style suit that we saw recently for Ben Affleck, more for a look of another classic armored style bat suit we've seen in a lot of previous films and games, like oh they said they uh, reminisced and mentioned about the Arkham series video games. Um, I said right now where things currently stand with the film is the script has been 100% completed and Matt Reeves is now going through and making edits to that. Uh, he said everybody is very involved in every stage of the creative process and everything is very hands-on right now. And he said right now Warner Brothers, they said main goal is to make sure Matt Reeves has everything he needs to stay on board with the project and be able to do the film that he most believes in. Uh, you know, they said, you know, with previous creative differences with other directors in the DCEU, they said they're main goal is to make sure that the directors are being true to the characters of the comic books and are able to tell unique original stories. Uh, and then, you know, obviously all of the things I just mentioned from this article, please take with a grain of salt. Um, you know, again, you never know when something comes out of Reddit, but again, this source apparently broke and made most of the news of the things that we already know about the current DCEU. So, um, so expect a lot of big changes on the horizon and that's it for the news. Cool. Yeah, that was a lot of news to take in. Um, and I don't it, like it's 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 weird for me too hearing all that news about the the Batman stuff because I love the Frank Miller esque kind of costume that we got in the latest rendition of Batman. I I, I, I love that darker tone. But yeah, I guess if they're trying to change the tone of everything, it only makes sense to kind of change up the costume as well. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. It's you know, I don't know. The, the whole DC EU has always been kind of up in the air. Um, as far as like Suicide Squad and changing the looks of the characters and stuff to what they look like traditionally, like more in the comic books, I, I think that's fine. Uh, with the exception of Harley, I, I actually really, really dug the Margot Robbie look of Harley. Yeah, it works. And, and like I said, you know, I think they've done a decent job with some of the characters. Uh, but it'll be great to see them, you know, take them back to to their roots. And uh, you know, Deadshot looked great too. So it's just a uh, let's go from there and see what other characters they can tweak and make look kind of spot on. So, but um, I, I, there's a lot of fun news in there. So I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we'll see. So, uh, recommendations, and then we'll do some cheap plugs, and we will get out of here. Um, my recommendation, as typical, is something not DC-related, but I think we kind of agreed that that was more along the lines of what we wanted to do with our recommendations lately anyway, is kind of steer you to some other stuff in the world of pop culture. So, my recommendation for this week is to do something I have done probably about ten times in the past two days. I'm going to say this right off the bat. I'm sharing this recommendation because it's <laughs> mine, too. Okay. Uh, and that is, if you have not yet had the chance, go on YouTube and watch the trailer for the new Halloween film coming out this October. It is – I am such a horror buff. I'm a fan of the the Halloween series. But, man, this, this new take on what they're doing with Halloween, they're kind of – they're just taking the route that this happens 40 years after the original. The sequels do not exist, although I heard they are going to pay some little fun Easter eggs and stuff like that to, to those sequels. Um, but, like, Halloween's 2 through – I think it's 6 – uh, just do not they don't exist in this world this is 40 years after the first one and man it looks phenomenal it really does it looks perfect it, it has the right tone it has the right visual look and aesthetic what they're doing with Laurie Strode as a character as a lot of us have mentioned like our friend Paul over that does uh, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero uh, even said it I've seen other articles mention it it is the Sarah, Sarah Connor version of Laurie Strode, somebody yes. that went on with her life, but behind the scenes has been plotting and planning for when Michael returns to finally take him down. I love this concept so much. Uh, it has a true look of just pure classic 70s and 80s horror, like that classic slasher that is not about doing things for jokes and laughs. You know, this is what John Carpenter achieved when he made that original film in the late 70s. And I think the look of this is flawless and perfect and i cannot wait to see it yeah and there were two big things that i took away from from this trailer other than the fact that, that it looks fantastic um i love the fact that it is nick castle returning to play michael myers he is the original michael myers they didn't get anybody else to play that role this is somebody that you know john carpenter obviously is connected with and brought back into the fold to do this again um but the other thing that i took away from this and you'll probably just get a kick out of this one of the initial things i was planning for this event that i was planning is i wanted to do a panel with the cast of archer so like Lucky Yates, Amber Nash, H. John Benjamin, Aisha Tyler. And I also wanted to get Judy Greer. But Judy Greer's career has taken off so much that she is of a much higher demand, which means she's much more expensive. So the moment I – like I already knew because of Ant-Man and Jurassic World, she was harder to get. She was more expensive to get. The moment I saw her pop up in this trailer, I immediately was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now she's going to be even harder to get. But, you know, that was just something for me. But, yeah. If you have not seen the trailer, go on YouTube, watch the trailer. It's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, cheap plugs, and then we can get out of here. Um, you can check out this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com. The Facebook for that page is uh, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. You can, of course, find us on Facebook for this podcast, facebook.com slash dcprimetime. Uh, my other podcast that has just recently started, we're getting ready to record. We are supposed to record last night, and... I had a conference call that came up, which was much more important. 
Uh, but we're getting ready to record our second episode of the Lost Podcast, uh, and you can find that on iTunes, Google Play. It's called uh, We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited. And last but not least, you can call us and leave us a voicemail on our uh, DC Primetime voicemail, one eight 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 two four seven five three eight zero. Again, eight 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 two four seven five three eight zero. toll free in the U.S. and Canada. And as for me, you can always find me through the, uh, you know, <laughs> you can always find me. Yeah, take two. Uh, you can always find me through the Next Level Podcast Network as well at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. The most recent episode, episode, I believe, 46, the board game episode just went up this past week. If you are somebody that is in the realms of modern day board games, I highly recommend giving that a listen. We definitely talk about where our initial start of board gaming happened when we were kids. Bring up some classic old, old, old board games like 1313 Dead End Drive, the old Real Busters board game, uh, like it just tons and tons and tons of stuff uh, before transitioning into the modern era. What brought us back to that? Uh, we also, by the end of the episode, give like each of us on that panel uh, give uh, recommendations of three board games to try and one to steer clear of. So, but we also talk about the type of games we prefer. So, you could, if you play certain things, you haven't tried certain things out, uh, or you're just looking to dabble back into the realm. Um, man, definitely give that podcast a listen. It was a ton of fun to do. And as always, a big special thanks to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. He provides the tunes you hear in the show each and every week. Uh, please make sure to head over to his website, check out his SoundCloud, and please support him because his stuff is wonderful. Yes, that it is. So, uh, yeah, so this coming week or next episode, we will talk about the pen ultimate of Supergirl. And that is probably it. We're going to keep these next couple weeks relatively short we're going to talk to penultimate of supergirl this week and then the following week we'll talk the finale as well as any information that comes out at e3 on this upcoming superman game that has been rumored so uh you know we'll see where that pops up we'll talk a little bit more about that in time but until that time enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you guys around the bend take care peace